And that was my first lesson in her telling me that using my first name, the recruiters are the first line of defense for the company. If they can't pronounce your name, if they if they think your name appears um, ghetto, they will not call you. I did not receive a call. So all I did was go home. I went home and I took off my first name. My middle name is Claudia. And all I did was replace Monifa with Claudia. Got three phone calls back. This week's episode is sponsored by SheHub.TV. Log on to www.SheHub.TV for engaging content dedicated to women. Also check out their quarterly magazine available in print and both app stores. SheHub.TV for the fearless female. You are listening to Choosing Her Hustle with your host, Letitia Francis. This is a podcast for Black women looking to turn their side hustles full time. Each week, I'm going to bring you interviews from women who have successfully transitioned from side hustler to full time entrepreneur. They will be sharing their journeys, the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the lessons learned along the way in hopes to inspire you to choose your hustle. Let's get this conversation started. Hello, 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 and welcome to season one of Choosing Her Hustle. This is the first episode, and let me tell you, I am just so excited about the conversation that I am bringing to you today. I was introduced to this lovely lady that I'm going to be having a conversation with, And within five minutes of our first conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, this diva needs to be (laughs) on my first episode. I just loved it. So we are going to bring you a dynamic conversation today to kick off season one. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I am so happy to be here and sharing my story with people that want to hear what I have to say and other women that are like-minded. My name is Monifa Keynes, and I own a business that I started in 2019, and my business is called Queen of Spades Style. Um, So I can just go on into my story right now if you want. Yes, let's get started with how you began your business. Yes. So how I began my business, it really is a combination of finding myself again. So for many years, I'll just give you a little background. For many years, I conformed. I conformed to what society has said that I should look like or how I should act to be pleasing, to be accepted, um, to not look intimidated, um, intimidating for other people. So from the age of 12, I relaxed my hair and I was told we have to do this. Never told really why, but I know it was to quote unquote fit in. Um, It just became that's something we always had to do. And I had a sensitive scalp. And every time I would put this chemical in my hair, which is so strong. And, you know, there's an active ingredient called lye, which is used in battery acid. And also if you wanted to decompose a body, which you won't, you can use it. But I would get burns every month. I would get 
um, burned out hair. I would lose spots of hair, but I did this all the time because this is what we had to do. I went off to college to, and I got a nursing degree. So I was a registered nurse. Then after college, I raised my hand and joined the United States Air Force because I wanted something more out of life and I wanted to serve. Now, in the Air Force, there are so many regulations of what you have to look like, how your hair has to be, how many inches away from the collar it has to be, all of this. I conformed because I had to. After eight and a half years of serving in the United States Air Force as a nurse, I got out. But I realized I didn't understand the unwritten rules of getting out of the Air Force. In the Air Force, there are rules written. You know it. Outside of that, there are rules. They are not written down. And so I also thought that I can get out the Air Force and be me. I will be who I want to be now. Well, I was wrong. My first taste of not being myself was we had companies come talk to us before we got out of the Air Force saying they want veterans. They love us. We work hard. They know we bring stuff to the table. I sent my resume to those three people that were recruiters. And I didn't get a call back and everybody else was getting calls back and I couldn't understand why. And I told my friend, you know, I don't understand, you know, I'm great. I am, I'm the top of my game. And she said, she asked me, did you use your first name? And my first name again is Monifa. Um, it's Arabic and it means to have luck. And I said, of course I did. Like, yeah. And she said, don't do that. And that was my first lesson in her telling me that using my first name, the recruiters are the first line of defense for the company. If they can't pronounce your name, if they, if they think your name appears um, ghetto, they will not call you. I did not receive a call. So all I did was go home. I went home and I took off my first name. My middle name is Claudia. And all I did was replace Monifa with Claudia. Got three phone calls back and emails and wanting to talk to me. So right there, one lesson was, I can't be me. The God-given name, my first name, I cannot be Monifa. They've never met Monifa, but here on out, I have to be Claudia Keynes. So I went to work um, at a really large company, and I was indoctrinated to corporate America. So many unwritten rules. I am coming out of the military. I um, am very straightforward. I am talking. I get business done. But I have been pulled aside and told I don't smile enough as if I'm a clown. And I was not unpleasant. It was just that if I'm walking somewhere, I'm not just smiling. And I looked around and there are other women that I worked with and they were walking. They did not look like me. But they're walking, they're going to do their business or going to a business. They're not walking, smiling. But I, I realized that they're telling me I look unapproachable as a Black woman because I'm not walking around and having this plastic smile on my face. Then I am also told that in meetings, I can seem aggressive because when I have a point to prove, I am passionate. Um, but even though men would do the same thing and more, nothing was told to them. Nothing was said to them. And this is on evaluations too that I have had on one-on-one. -on -one. 
um, my hair. I was even told at a certain time, I realized, why do I keep hurting myself? Um, and I'm going to stop putting this chemical in my hair. I have the choice not to do this. And so I stopped putting the chemical in my hair. And I was going to grow out my hair, grow the chemical out. And then I put braids in my hair immediately. And I put the braids in a bun and went to work. I got looks. I got whispers. I got even a manager saying to me, oh, you look different. <laughs> yeah, okay. But I didn't feed into that because I know he wanted to start a conversation about my hair. So if he wanted to say something, then say it. But I wasn't going to coax him into it. Then about a few weeks later, I took my braids out. And because I had to go to work and I knew the environment I worked in, I went to the store and I bought this little, this big jar of gel. And I put all this water in my hair and all this gel in my hair and slicked it back and put it in a bun. And I believe my hair looked like a helmet. Not I, a helmet. Yes. Not a helmet. <laughs> I, look, when it's a lot of new growth, <laughs> but you, you still know the environment you have to go through. I was trying. I was trying, yes, still to conform, still not being my authentic self. That they said when they interviewed me, yeah, bring you, bring, we want you, but really they don't. So I was sitting at my desk and a manager walked by my desk. And this was a pivotal moment for me. And he said, oh, you took your braids out. And I'm thinking, yeah, he noticed. This man noticed my hair. All right. And I said, yes, I did. And he said, good. Now you look professional. Yes. And if I were not sitting down, you could have knocked me over with a feather, with a pin. And it was because all this time, and the, sometimes you don't get to connect the dots until after something happens. So I'm sitting there and I'm awestruck. And I'm thinking about the meetings that were not invited to, that I used to be invited to, that I used to speak for the department, but no longer was invited to speak for the department. And then the looks and then, you know, the chatter and realized that it wasn't only him. It was a group of people who had control over my career that did not feel I looked acceptable, but couldn't say anything. But they, but they did things that made me not feel embraced, accepted, not be able to do the job that I used to do or be highlighted. Because I worked for a company in the beginning, I conformed. I was who you wanted me to be. I was Claudia Gaines. My hair was permed. I wore the suits. I laughed at your jokes. I went to the bar afterward sometimes because, you know, we got to fit in. You got to be part of the team. You got to play the game. And I was going to do it because I was going to ride that to the 48th floor window office, corner office. But as I said, you know, I am doing my hair so you could feel better about me. And, and they don't understand what it takes for me to, to have it sit and burn on my scalp every month. And finally, I decide this is not for me. And I realized I was doing it because I always used to do it. And finally, I woke up and saying, why am I doing this? And then when I stopped, um, and just because the change of my hair, the hair that grew out of my head, I seen a lot of difference in how I was treated. My work was exceptional. But because I did not fit that mold, or maybe they thought I looked too 
black. I was not that golden girl anymore. I have heard, I have moved through various jobs and unfortunately I I did not find the job that really embraced when they say, bring your authentic self. And I do believe it starts at the top when they look at your hair. Yes, when I went for the interview, did I have my hair slicked back? I sure did. I got the job. And then after I got the job, haha, this is me. <laughs> but it's still me. I still do the best work. Even though I had a coworker that dyed her hair orange red, okay, that was still fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they had a problem with my texture, and that was blatant. So I really didn't know what I, I always wanted to start my own business, but didn't know what I wanted to do when I woke up every day. But when I um, changed my hair, as in I started doing my own hair and being natural, I remember going to department stores, boutiques, big box retailers, and I stood in two aisles of hair accessories and could not find one accessory for my hair texture. Walked up and down both aisles. And I'm talking about ponytail holders that would not fit my hair texture now. I'm talking about hairpins, hair clips, couldn't find head wraps at that time. Um, I used to buy scarves um, that women would wrap around their shoulder and use that as a head wrap. I couldn't find anything for me. And, And it's subtle. It's subtle when you look at two aisles of hair accessories and everything is for straight hair. So I went, <laughs> sorry, just no, or, the hair accessories that are for us are in lock boxes. They are. <laughs> they are. They're in, you got to ask someone for the key. Yeah. And, and uh, it's in, it's horrible. And then I went home and I said, I got to do it myself. I got to make my own things because. I want to accentuate who I am, how I look, how I feel, especially with my different outfits or what, just my personality. So I started learning and sewing again and um, making, started making head wraps, started making headbands that um, can also absorb perspiration from textured hair and keep the ringlets together and not as tight especially when you have textured hair, there's a little bit more height to your head um, circumference. Started making hair combs where the teeth weren't too close together. So when I pulled them out, it wouldn't rip my hair, Um, hair clips, other things. And I started just wearing them. And women would run up to me in the street. Hey, where'd you get that? Where'd you buy that? And I was like, I made it. And they're like, oh, well, can I get your card? As if I already had a business. And I did it. But I realized, wow, there are so many other women that have the same issue. They love their hair. They love their textured hair, but they can't find other things to accent it when they want to go out or just hang out or just look a little different. And so I started making hair accessories for for women having a very small table at a flea market, you know, starting off because, hey, it's at the time it was a hobby. And then it just bloomed into this is what I'm doing all the time. I'm creating, I'm sewing, I'm cutting, I'm using, working with plastics. And I loved it. I love the creativity. I love the ownership. I love that I'm, I'm helping other women and girls. I'm helping myself. I was coming into my own. 
And then I realized the only way for me to be 100% me is to start my own and to do something that I love. And I made the decision to leave corporate America, which I was happy for because I would, I could never be me or I could never in the roles that I had ascend the way I, I thought I would have. And why am I waiting for somebody to pull me up? I'm going to do it. I'm a, I'm going to run with the pack because there's a, a good amount of Black female entrepreneurs, and we're going to turn around and pull the others up. So I um, started my business December 19, 2019. Woo! I'm in business. Then I was going to come out. I had this big pop-up. March 13, 2020. I was getting ready for that date. I had the inventory. It's going down. I'm going to be a success. I um, Then that week, COVID shut everything down. <laughs> yes, lucky yes. me. Lucky me. Yeah, so I remember putting my head in my hand as I'm watching, you know, all the statistics and they're saying nobody's going out. Everything is locked. Don't go outside. No gatherings, meetings, nothing. Everything's closing. And I had all this inventory sitting in my apartment, no money, and wondering what I'm going to do. So yes, everybody had to learn to pivot. At that time, I have reached out and I say, find your village. I always tell people, find your village. I am in a village of a few villages, but I also have a village of Black um, on, female entrepreneurs. You need like-minded people that are going somewhere. Because you will also say, you're not going to leave me behind. I'm going with you. And you exchange information. You share information. And it, doesn't, it can be about sales, opportunities with stores, grants, you name it, just so you, you have an outlet to say, this is what's going on. And they can talk you through it because either they've been through it or they can be a reality check for you about, okay, now that you've got that out, let's talk about what you're really going to do. <laughs> yes. Um, so I surrounded myself with a village that I can, because I don't think you get anywhere by yourself. You can say you did, but somebody whispers in somebody's ear, somebody makes a phone call for, for you. Somebody makes, gives you good advice. And, and that's why I say find that village. But I'm happy now that I, I have, I can look back and say everything that happened to me that I used to be upset about and not being accepted from me has landed me into where I am today to help other women and girls find their true authentic self and walk around saying, this is me. Now, I always say with my business, I am changing the narrative of what's beautiful because there is not just one way to look beautiful as in the Euro European way. We are all beautiful, but I want to change that narrative. And your style, it starts from the top. And that's where a lot of my hair, hair and head accessories are because I not only do things for textured hair, but also for cancer survivors, women with alopecia and et cetera, et cetera. So I say hair and head accessories. But all in all, it helped. Starting my business and everything that I have been through helps me connect with other women that are going through it, have been through it, are over it and are saying, I am going to be me too, even if it's just on the weekends. 
He's like, you said so much. You talked about finding yourself again through building your business, yeah. talking about having to conform. Yes. I mean, gosh, you couldn't even use your first name. Let's, no. let's talk about how we get labeled as being too aggressive and more passionate, the microaggressions that we have to deal with, yes. that lie they tell us about bring you to the table. Yes. Listen, I can relate to it all. And I think I, I mentioned to you in our, our first conversation, I walked away from a 14-year career in commercial insurance. Yes. I started growing my locks in 20 in 2000, the year mm-hmm. 2000. Mm-hmm. And I remember my grandmother saying to me, don't do it. Well, you will yeah. never get a mm-hmm. job. You will never, ever get a good job with yeah. these things in your head. And that stuck with me. I'm a person who admittedly is a nonconformist. Listen, I, <laughs> I agree. My family, I'm a first generation American. My family's mm-hmm. from so my mm-hmm. grandmother always said, your hair is your beauty. That stuck with me too about trying to keep it straight, growing it long. So I understand when, when that family talks to you and you grew up on that and it's ingrained. Yeah, she was a part of that system. Yeah, she was. And I, I think she was terrified for me yes! when I started growing this up. But I, like I said, I'm a nonconformist. If I describe myself to someone, I tell them I'm a rage against the machine. I'm not about control. <laughs> you can't control me. Okay. So I grew my locks in protest. I love it. And when I walked away from my 14 year career, my dreadlocks were to my knees. What? <laughs> yeah, I'll show you a picture after we finish. Yes, I want to see. That's my dreadlocks were to yeah. my knees. And the day that I walked away choosing my hustle, I cut my locks. They no longer served me. Mm. I knew that I walked into boardrooms as a manager of a top five Lloyds That's of London right. insurance syndicate. And for those who do not know, Lloyds of London is the oldest insurance institution in the I world. Think they- everybody knows Lloyds of London. I, not everybody. So we okay. just clear it up. <laughs> okay. Okay. So for me, as a foreign Black woman being a manager mm-hmm. with knee length dreadlocks, I'll smell it myself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like you, I would go into meetings and I was excellent at my job. Excellent. And yeah. sit around a table. And you know, we have to be two twice times. As- there yes. No, just We're a- going to get to that. We're going to okay. get to that. Okay. But I used to sit at a ta- around a table full of white men, listening to them say, Letitia, you are threatening. Letitia, you are scary. And then chuckling about it. Mm. I had a manager that used to tell people, she's a little rough around the edges, but that was because she was in law enforcement. (laughs) And then chuckle about it. Like I was supposed to be upset Mm -hmm. about how I was presenting myself. Same here. Same here. I was told, oh, she's from, she has a military background. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, I would go to meetings. I'm not smiling. I'm not like, (laughs) you know, I'm straightforward. Let's do this meeting. Let's have a resolution. Let's leave. Mm -hmm. By the time I finish my coffee, this meeting needs to be over. And I was very straightforward. But to them, that's not how a woman 
or a black woman. A black woman. Yes. Could I? And so, and a lot of times I think, you know, you're the only one. You're the only one in the room. And they have this picture of how you should be. Like, just be quiet. Be quiet. Go pour the water. Go pour yeah. the tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm just not that person. And when I know that I make someone uncomfortable with my strength or with my authenticity, mm-hmm. I'm going to show up even more. That's right. Yeah. So you talked about doing it because it was always done that way. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We're going to get back to that, like, you know, yes. the way we were raised. How it was ingrained. Yes. It was ingrained. I have to do. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. My, 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 my granny was a fresh generation Bermudian. She, mm-hmm. her parents came from Trinidad and St. Kitts, right? What? So we, we cousins, girl, but listen, <laughs> she came to Bermuda and she had, there was tough time. So my granny worked very hard to raise her children right. and they instilled, my mother instilled in me, listen, you're going to go in and you're going to show up. You're going to show up. You're going to work hard. You're going to keep your hair done. You're going to keep your mouth and you're going to do what you got to do so that you can get a promotion. We all get that speech. Yes. Okay? But the problem was I don't keep my mouth for no one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was very quickly blackballed. The insurance industry as vast as it operates, it's a very small market. And in Bermuda, my mouth got me in trouble because what I'm not going to do is bow down to you just because mm-hmm. you have a higher pay scale than me. Mm-hmm. What I'm not going to do is stop myself from having an opinion because you don't like what I say. What I'm not going to do is stop voicing the injustices that I see because it makes you feel uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. very quickly, I saw if I don't play this game, I'm going to be out of this industry. I moved to England and I played the game very hard, but I was tried and tested because they thought that I was the typical British woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not that. And as quiet as I can present myself, Mm -hmm. because I observe the room, you better believe that I have a plan of attack for every accident. Okay. I come prepared. Mm-hmm. And what I won't do is allow anyone to disrespect me. That's right. Oftentimes I found myself in positions where I was heavily disrespected. I'm had people sit in front of me, in front of underwriters and say, I do rubbish work and expect it not to say anything about it or get in meetings and literally told to shut up little girl and not expected to say something about it or being on a firm with an underwriter because he's driving in Florida and doesn't know where he's going. He's cursing me off and expected not to say anything about it. But what Letitia will not do, like I said, is shut my mouth. So it came to a point where I had to realize myself, am I going to continue doing this? Because as much as I can play the game, what the game is going to cost me is a night in jail because I'm going to get yes. tired yes. of the abuse that People I receive. wonder why sometimes you go off, but it's a lot that is suppressed, held down. I hear what you're saying. And one thing about corporate America, I had to eat a lot 
of crap to keep my job so I don't look like that angry Black woman, which I don't like that phrase. But sometimes, guess what? I have a reason to be angry. Guess what? Yes. But also, I had to eat a lot of these slick jokes or whatever. And people, when I would talk to people, they would say, why would you work for a company like that? And I and I've talked to you about like, I need to eat. I need to pay my bills. But also in corporate America, I was alone. I felt alone. Even though they say, oh, you're part of the family, we're a team. They don't know what team means. I have been in meetings where I talked about diversity. I have talked about going to find other candidates. And people, there's pushback. Well, if they don't apply, no, we need to go and recruit. This is where we can tap into them. And then after the meeting, I had other people walk up to my desk saying, you were right. You were so right what you said in there. I agree with you. And this is where I have the issue with allies. When I was in the meeting speaking to the senior VP and nobody said anything but me, then after the meeting, you're going to tell me I'm right. Where it really warranted you to show up as an ally in the meeting. And so when I say I felt alone, I felt alone. Even when they allies would say, put up a little sign, we stand with you, Black Lives Matter, whatever you name it, you know, call it. I was alone. So let's talk about the loneliness, because I find that once we start entrepreneurship, I mean, you mentioned finding your village, right? Right. Found your village and that was Because we know what we experienced and we... Yes can talk to each other about that. Nobody knows. And I always say the black woman holds everybody up. I, I imagine it like a totem pole. Mm. You know, we're on the bottom. Mm. We hold everybody up. Everybody. But else. only we can understand what we go through. And, so, and we hold even, you know, our men up to a fault sometimes. But I, we, I, but I that's it. another story. Yes. <laughs> But I call it a toxic strength. It's a toxic strength Mm -hmm. for us. We as Black women, you know, we have been conditioned, as we said, to be this pillar of strength. Right. Right. And a lot of times that comes with you can't show you can't show weakness. Right. right? You can't you you don't go out and tell people, look, I need your help. You you don't do that. You figure it out. Right. No. So we've come into entrepreneurship. With this broad back, I got it. I could figure it out. I'll do whatever it takes. However, that doesn't work in Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, right? You can go solo in your career and we'll see how far you get with that. But when we get into entrepreneurship, it's about rewriting our narratives, right? We've had to fight for our position in Mm -hmm. corporate. We've had to fight in toxic environments. And we bring that energy into our businesses, which then hinders us. I, I call them barriers for Black women, the inability to ask for help. Some of us have an inability to reach out to community because there's a lack of trust. Like, why am I going to tell you my business? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Steal my idea. And this is it. You know? yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. we've come out of this toxic environment. We've taken a bet on ourselves. We've chosen our yes. hustle. Yes. But then what happened? 
What needs to happen in us in order for us to be successful? I think what needs to happen in order for us to be successful is you have to know who you are first. If I did my business years ago, I, I wouldn't have, I, I don't want to, I don't like to use the word fail because I've failed a few times, but um, I would not have been doing well because I was, I didn't come into my own. The first rule is really knowing as much as you can about who you are at this moment and why you are doing it, your reasons for doing your business. Because I'll tell you, there are a few bad days and you have to know how resilient you are. You have to know that you started this for a reason and you can't give up. How dare you give up? So I think not only that, but I think educating. Because after, you know, I'm like, this is what I want to do. I'm tired. I'm tired of morphing. I'm going to be me and I'm going to help other women and girls be themselves. Education. I didn't know anything much about starting your own business, the tax laws, the rules, um, working with people, contractors, being smart about really laying the groundwork for the business to make it successful. The marketing plan, everything. I had to educate myself. I had to educate myself, of course, through finding a village, readings, YouTube, videos, courses, because the more you know, and I'm telling you, there is a lot you don't know when you start a business. And it's not just, I start a business. It's how much are you going to grow and how much money and profit are you going to keep? That's what you need to learn because anybody can give you a card that says CEO, but is your company worth anything? And there are a lot of rules that people that don't look like us, especially with Black women, there's Black woman entrepreneurship is blossoming now, thank God. But before it was, you had to get your binoculars to find a Black woman entrepreneur to tell you some rules, some laws saying, I got somebody that can help you. I got somebody that could teach you about this. And the, the second thing after knowing who you are is educating yourself because it's, it's hard. Just don't say, I'm going to do something. Mm -mm. There's a lot of work behind that. And so I was lucky to say, I'm going to educate myself because the more you know, hopefully the less mistakes you make, that means the less money you will lose. But you have to educate yourself. A lot of other Black women, a lot of us didn't grow up with this entrepreneurial spirit where our families had all these businesses and we kind of run into it and old money and, oh, you want to start a business? I, I make, let me make a phone call. No, we do it ourselves from the ground up. And how are you going to do it? Nobody's going to make a phone call for you and tell you that they have a friend that'll help you. You're going to do it. So education, finding yourself, knowing who you are, educating and finding a village. Yes, I love all of that. But, you know, one of the things that I like to say is that entrepreneurship is the quickest way to learn who you are, in my opinion, because let me tell you, <laughs> you are faced with mm -hmm. everything that you may have been able to slide under that rug. That's right. Or for someone else. Pass a hot potato. 
Yeah, you can't pass it on anymore. You You have to address it. If you got productivity issues, guess what, boo? You got to address it. If you have time management issues, guess what, boo? You got to address it. Yeah, you have to look in the mirror. (laughs) Yeah. And tell yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be addressed. But it's a good journey, right? I I look at the growth that I've had since I started my business. And there is so much gratitude. Had I still been working for somebody else, complacent with what I had, the growth that I experienced, I can say with zero doubt would not have happened at the rate that it has happened. I've been been forced to examine my relationship with money. I've been forced to examine my confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. And I always thought I was a confident person until you get out there and you realize no one's buying from you. And then all of a sudden the imposter syndrome, oh, this is, I'm not enough. And this and that, you know, I've never been in that place where I'm crashing my skills, but I have been in this process. Me too. Yeah. But what came out of it was a rock solid understanding of what I bring to the table. Yes. I and go ahead. I could see that. I could see that because when I got my website up, and this is embarrassing to admit, Letitia, but um, I got my website up and I sat back like, all right, let the orders come in. You know, like I did it. No, I needed to get in front, which is hard for me. Get in front of my business videos, marketing, call, cold calling, scheduling meetings, doing everything. And it's just that I have grown so much. And if you look at my website, you know, there's a part meet the team. There's a CEO, logistics manager, shipping manager, HR manager. Every picture is me because what you just said (laughs) is true. You, the buck stops with you. You do everything. Who do they want to talk to right now? Because I will be that person as in they want to talk to logistics, logistics manager. They want to talk to the um, creative manager. You know, they want to, you know, who do they want? The CEO, um, the CFO, it's me, you know? So yes, you will stretch. And I say, you have to be a contortionist. You have to be a contortionist. And, and especially as a black woman, when I set up meetings, there's a way to set up meetings. When I call someone about setting up meetings for a boutique or a showing, I don't say, hi, my name is Monifa Keynes. I said, this is Mrs. Keynes. This is Miss Keynes. I'd like to speak to so-and-so. Because even as a black woman, there's still a stigma out there. I still, there are so many rules. And I didn't, I learned that not through classes, but through other Black women who taught me how to acquire and get through that first line of defense when I'm trying to get a meeting. So yes, unfortunately, unfortunately, I still have to do certain things a certain way, but you have to know what you're doing. Yes. And the great thing is that you're doing it for yourself. So many of us have spent years in careers being contortionists to yes. make someone else money going home frustrated, going home so angry. And that's that. why we are exhausted at the end of the day because we do put on that mask. Mm-hmm. We are someone else. Mm-hmm. I didn't, whenever, wherever I worked, nobody was a, a Facebook friend. In fact, I, on Facebook years ago, I wouldn't even use 
well, they didn't really know Monifa, but nobody was a Facebook friend because they didn't know the real me, nor would they see the real me. The person they seen at work was just that, but we were not friends and they weren't going, oh, let's Facebook each other. No, because you're going to see me and you're not ready for that. You are not ready. You are not ready at all. So they would never, ever (laughs) be friends. Yeah. You know, if if they find me, I block them. So it's like, so you can't even mark. It's it's, uh, the Facebook is private. You're blocked. You're, you don't get that access to me. No. Because you, I will only want you to know what I present to you at work. Now that you are established and you look back at your journey, mm-hmm. what is your biggest lesson? What was your biggest takeaway from what you've been through? That is such a loaded question. I would say my biggest takeaway is from the get-go. When I started my business, I should have been more confident. And I'll explain that. I really don't know a lot of people with businesses. So when I started my business, it was more like I was more quiet about it. Like I was scared to announce I have a business because I was scared of failure. I was scared of stepping out. This is me. You know, now you're going to see me. I was scared. But when you, and like you said, as you start a business, you grow and you learn so much about yourself. If I had to do it all over again, it would have been, I would have been screaming off the rooftops. This is what I have. This is why I'm doing my business. It is for you. This is what you'll get out of it. You want to come take a look at my products. I was so scared. I wasn't even confident. And in the beginning, I believe people can see that. When you start your own, it is you. And you have to be, and that's why I said, you got to know who you are. You got to get confident about who you are. The people will buy into you first. Yes, it's that no like trust factor. Mm-hmm. If you show up authentically, people yes. will sense it. Instead and of those... just saying, I have these products. Mm-hmm. I hope you like them. You know? Mm-hmm. That, show I up would, as you are. Stop yeah, muting like, yourself. Roar, you know? Yeah. Here <laughs> I am. Yeah. Let <laughs> it be known. Oh, I have it in orange. You know, I mean, I was not confident. Even though I love what I did. Mm-hmm. I was scared. And whether you're scared or not, you it's still your business. You still got to get out there. So how are you going to show up? Listeners, that's a question for you. Mm-hmm. How are you showing up? Yeah. You spent years in a toxic environment, mm-hmm. hating mm-hmm. every moment of it. You mm-hmm. started your side hustle and you're scared to go full time. But what is your sacrifice worth if it's not for you? Yes. Yes. And in business, you have to know your name is everything. Mm-hmm. So when you show up and they say, oh, Monifa Keynes, they know Monifa Keynes, the name means what? It means this. It means bold. It means beautiful. It means she can do it all. It means she's confident. It, your name means everything. So when you show up, if you leave, that's how they're going to see you. And in the beginning, yes, I made mistakes with not really showing up. And so I've had to evolve certain relationships so they see me for who I really am now. I've had to backtrack. But from the beginning, you got to really show up. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for this conversation. I've, I've enjoyed it. every minute of it. And yes. I just, anything I've said has resonated. We all have similar stories that ties us and I call them soul ties. Um, 
to what we go through. So, and I hope we can just, you know, band together, lock arms and keep pushing. That's my bigger vision for this podcast. You know, you said it yourself, we build community by sharing our stories. So having women on her sharing the truth, like, listen, my journey was not a straight line, but I made it through. And so can you, that is what we're trying to do here. Like I, I want you listeners to join in the conversation, take this further, join me on Instagram. Let me know what you thought, what your biggest takeaways were from this call, because it's so important that we realize that we are not an Island and there are other women (laughs) out here rooting for us just as much as we're reading for ourselves because you know what we are all tired of being at the bottom of that totem pole okay and trust me if we learn to step into our power Mm. flip the script and i'm here for it i'm here for it yes so manifa how can my listeners find you online yes well online my website is queenofspadesstyle.com and you can also find me on Instagram, Queen of Spades Style. You can find me on Facebook, Queen of Spades Style. <laughs> but um, yes, I have a new collection coming out soon. It's for every single texture of hair. I have different things, um, beautiful stuff, whether you have hair or you don't have hair, whatever you're dealing with, I do private consultations. And even have some wrap, um, head wrapping courses, quick courses and videos that you can follow. So I do it all. I'm going to be the, the accessory queen soon. So, yeah, follow me and, and come check me out. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Go ahead and follow Manifa so she can help you rewrite your narrative of beauty. Before I go, I want to ask you a random question. Okay, yes. Where is the one place that you would absolutely love to travel and why? Mm-hmm. Um, right. I have a few places, but right now, the first on my list, when all of this is over is Senegal. I have never been there. I know people and I have women that I work with um, in Senegal and I want to meet them. I want to go to the coast. I want to see the people. I want to be in the sun. Um, To me, it's important to go back to one's roots too. And that's the first, that's the first place I would visit. Um, yeah, that I, I was supposed to, but you know, what's going on? Can't really get there right now. But when everything clears up and opens up, I'm buying a ticket. Yes, I love it. So listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to season one's first episode. Her hustle is going to be bringing you to fire. We are going to have some deep conversations this season, really helping you to reconsider the narrative you're telling yourself as to why you need to stay in that toxic work environment and get you to consider why you need to choose your hustle. And as your host, I want to remind you that you should be walking as if 
every step you take is about to create an avalanche because boo, you are here to change the world. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Choosing Her Hustle. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to press the subscribe button. If you want to join in the conversation, follow me on Instagram at Choosing Her Hustle Podcast, where I'll be going live every Thursday to dig a little deeper into this week's episode. So make sure you bring your questions and comments and join our amazing community. If you want to support us, share, 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 and make sure to leave us a rating 